Alrighty, hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Salmon. How are you doing? I'm I'm good, thank you for how, asking. How, I hope all of Guelph is doing well. All of Guelph has uh, been pretty good, although uh, it has been chilly and snowy and... Uh, yeah, so... Other than that, I mean, classic, I guess, Guelph. classic Guelph, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unlike the, unlike what Peter's been dealing with up in Ottawa lately. Yeah, <laughs> that convoy, it's done though, which feels nice. Uh, I'm sure it does. Fortunately, we have uh, Chainsaw Maskers to discuss. Lynn <laughs> Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. But this week will be the new horror legacy sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, They Lost the The, which you can now stream on the Netflix. See, I put the the in front of the Netflix, so anyway. So that solves that problem. Uh, In the first half of the show here, we're going to, in celebration of this Friday's hotly anticipated release of The Batman, um, I didn't even plan that. It just all, it's all come together. But it, the movie is called The Batman, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson as the titular Batman. We are going to rank the 10 named Batman movies. Uh, so I've prepared my list. Peter's prepared his list. Mm-hmm. And so just when we mean named Batman movies, it has to have Batman in the title. So no Justice League even though it does feature Batman and perhaps even uh, as a main character, Batman, it doesn't count. So only movies with Batman or Batman derivatives like the dark Knight mm-hmm. the title. So, but Peter, before we get into that, uh, are you, do you have your tickets booked for the Batman on Friday? Uh, no, I don't. I- I'll get them. I can get them. <laughs> are, I'm, ex- are- I'm, I'm excited for it. I just, I got, I got school and everything. I, I think I also want to wait for the reviews. You know, it's, it could, mm. uh, but reviews don't. It doesn't mean everything. So I'll check it out. Okay, I didn't mean to twist your arm. Um. <laughs> I'll watch it. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, although I I did the math. Uh, this will be our fifth Batman in twenty years. So uh, <laughs> a lot of Batman. When you, when you put, I mean, and that's not counting like all the voice actors. So, uh, or, uh, the kid who played Bruce Wayne on Gotham. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we've, I, I, I was concerned we've reached critical oversaturation with Batman, but, uh, the, the trailers have really won me over. And I like the aesthetic that it's basically like Batman set in the seven universe. That's what it looks like. So, yes, I am definitely more excited for it than I was the, Batman versus Superman and those works. I really do think Robert Pattinson will be a phenomenal superhero. Mm-hmm. I mean, Whereas I love Ben Affleck, but I, you know, I don't think he's just not a superhero guy. Interesting. And if he, if he were to be, I think it would have to be someone like he did with Daredevil, more, uh, more of a, a vigilante, you know, a superhero, the kind of superhero who's okay to maybe kill a couple people. <laughs> wow okay bold statement to start right off the bat uh so let's get into the, listing the batman movies uh where do you what do, what movie do you put at number 10 uh as my least favorite um mm-hmm. 
and this probably won't surprise you based on my most recent comment, but Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I everything post Watchmen. I'm not a huge Zack Snyder guy, mm. and <sighs> here's the thing: Henry Cavill. I think he's phenomenal as Superman. Mm-hmm. That's because he's he's pretty plain. Like he doesn't really have much. <laughs> I, I love him. I do. Like even the the man from Uncle or whatever, he's great in that. I just oh, he's he, great in that. Yeah, absolutely. he's good for for action films because he doesn't have a, he doesn't have many variations of his his personality. But I think that's perfect for Superman. He's just a regular guy, you know. Um, but I personally just don't like Superman, so I think that's <laughs> is super. I, I like. I don't fully understand the whole American <laughs> obsession with him. He just. Mm. he's so boring but um mm. uh, that uh, personal personal uh opinions aside it's just a very messy film there's just too much going on and uh i think they just really leave out you know there could have been more screen time for jesse eisenberg i actually thought he was surprisingly good jeremy irons could have been in a bit more it, mm. it's just who they decided to be main was not uh not my cup of tea mm. um and I'm not, I'm not a huge Amy Adams fan too. It's just a whole <laughs> big mixture of things that I'm not, I don't like, you know? Interesting yeah. because what I, I will say though is the yeah. music's good. Classic yeah. Zimmer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Batman v Superman is pretty low on my list, but it's not my mm-hmm. number 10. I put Batman and Robin as number 10. Although I, it is so over the top and so like luxuriously campy and is like bursting with color. Um, It's just, it has real style to it. And I was watching it on TV a couple of weeks ago and it is just, it's like insanely watchable in just the most horrible way. But um, it, it does, it does suffer under its own weight of, commercialization and i mean you could say that any superhero movies about selling toys and about selling the t-shirts and all that but mm-hmm. um batman and robin felt pointedly about selling t-shirts and selling um selling uh, toys i mean i remember i was working in sellers at the time so i remember like the mr freeze mobile and the the hockey playing goons um working for mr freeze and all that it just the, the, the insane number of toys for that movie that also never never really sold either so yeah i, and, I honestly until you mentioned i didn't even know there was toys for that one they're oh oh god were there toys so many toys that they were still on clearance like three years later when we were renovating the store but uh yeah i mean on the other hand I do still have like a Mr. Freeze standee in my basement from, I think it was for like Pepsi or something. So I, I have like genuine Batman and Robin merch on the premises, but (laughs) it's still your least favorite. It's still my least favorite. All right, let's get to your number nine. Okay. This might bug some people. Number nine for me is the dark Knight rises. Mm. I really was disappointed with it. And I am not a, I, I'm not a Tom Hardy guy. I, I don't, I think Bane's really interesting, but Tom Hardy all around just really, really bugs me. He's just, he's just so annoying. He's, he's just not my kind of guy. He's, he's all about, he's the kind of guy where I feel like, even though he doesn't say it, he likes guns mm. and would probably be very happy living kind of Russian lifestyle. I don't know. He's just not, he's not my kind of Are you saying he'd guy. be invading Ukraine right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, or I'm thinking of like the it's not a YouTube channel anymore, but the Russian one that's like people just show how to shoot and everything. He's just Tom Hardy's not my kind of guy. Okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> and Bane is is the main villain in this, right? Yeah. Uh, and aside from that, it's just disappointment all around. Like you know, the the previous Joker's hard to beat. You yeah, know? that's it's true. Hard, it's hard to beat. Um, I do think Christ- Christian Bale is is great in it. I actually would have been more okay with. Uh, Extra, extra time for the Batman himself in it. Mm. Um, there's a lot more solo time with him in The Dark Knight, which which is an enjoyable. Just seeing old Christian Bale brood. Mm. Um, I do want to say though, it's not last because I think, weirdly, I enjoy the Tom Hardy scenes where he's. It, it shows like the, I, I forget like it's like a pit or something. It shows the rough area in life that he lived, which mm. I think is cool. Um, but overall, it's just very disappoint, uh, disappointing for me. I yeah, it because it feels more like a Christopher Nolan movie than a Batman movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which is okay, but not really what I desired. From what I will Batman. say is that is that Bane as as the villain is has become insanely mem- memeable, if that's a word. <laughs> I so, think that's also deteriorated my view of it because I really did like it <laughs> at first, but uh, yeah. Whereas, interestingly enough, the same can be said for the Joker, but I think the Joker would be okay mm. with that. Like, mm. you know, he'd, he'd be thrilled that everybody's, like, loving him and everything. Mm-hmm. I The other thing I will say is that I remember watching the Dark Knight Rises preview in IMAX because it was in front of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which I saw in IMAX. And I remember how, like, people think that Bane's dialogue in the movie is incomprehensible it was really incomprehensible before they fixed it <laughs> in that yeah. in that imax preview was insanely incomprehensible but i digress uh for my number nine i did put batman v superman dawn of justice i did like ben affleck as a more world-weary batman i think where the movie falls apart though is it, the, just like the the massness of it and um, how incomprehensible some of the plot elements are and how Superman really takes a backseat in what is ostensibly a sequel to Man of Steel. Um, Which I preferred. I weirdly right. preferred Man of Steel. Yeah, so did I. Um, it just, I, I don't think Ben Affleck was the problem. I think that uh, the movie itself is just trying way too hard to not be Marvel while at the same time tripping over all of marvel's mistakes but anyway that's that's where i come out on batman v superman um i did like the ambition though and i did like i do like the casting in the movie i like Eisenberg too i like cavill i like amy adams i like jeremy irons was a great alfred but i wish there was a better movie for them to be in so i think i would like amy adams more if i hadn't seen the uh i don't even remember its name but that like super conservative one that's uh like Glenn Coase got uh, oh hillbilly elegy yeah hillbilly elegy so that's I kind of just think of that <laughs> yeah hillbilly elegy hillbilly elegy Yikes. has retroactively ruined Amy Adams' career it's just so viciously <laughs> socially conservative it just goes against what I thought she stood for and everything but um, no even I'll admit she is great she's great in the Batman film all right uh, you're number eight okay number eight um. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I chose Batman Forever because even okay. though I do love Tim. Oh, sorry. Even though I do love Jim Carrey, I'm not like 
Val Kilmer is my go-to of mm. the uh, Batmans. Mm-hmm. And I think Joel Schumacher, like you, <laughs> like we were talking about with Christopher Nolan, he just, it's like, it's his film. It's mm-hmm. more a Schumacher than it is a, a Batman, which is cool. I just, there was a lot of uh, shots of, you know, the downstairs and mm. everything. And it just kind of didn't feel <laughs> like it was needed. <laughs> um, and I thought that there was a, an attempt for too many villains because i think the two-faced guy is also in it mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. you could you could say the same we'll talk about it later you could say the same for dark knight but this one mm. it's it's a two-face is already kind of a true villain sort of thing so there's there's he, yeah it's it's just too much just too much going on mm. um i will yeah i don't know it's just it's a bad film it's the acting isn't great it's all all around you know? i i will have maybe some Differing opinions about Batman Forever in a minute. Um, my number eight is The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I, I think it is kind of bloated. Like I said, it feels more like a Christopher Nolan movie than a Batman movie. And uh, although I, I do have high praise for the for some of the casting, and I like Tom Hardy as Bane, uh, especially when you go back and look at Batman and Robin and what they did to the character <laughs> in that movie. Um, and then I liked Anne Hathaway a lot as Catwoman. I thought she did a really great Catwoman. Yeah, but that's kind of what I was. Oh, for the cat. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was still. I still had uh, Batman Forever on my mind. <laughs> um, but that itself, though, was a, an issue. Like Batman Forever, I had with The Dark Knight Rises. There was just too much. There was too much going on with the Catwoman and mm-hmm. the Bane, and you know, the Scarecrow dude was even in it briefly again. Yeah, too much. my my and like feeling... and own Batman like self issues that he dealt with, right? My feeling though with the whole Scarecrow appearance that was supposed to be a Joker appearance, but obviously they couldn't have Heath oh, Ledger really? back. I've always felt that about that cameo. Anyway, your number seven. All right, uh, number seven for me is Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really it's okay. It really is. It's just it's it's hard to compare it to the dark knight i find that it's more of just like a basic batman film it's just his how he's batman Mm. how the earlier days go Mm. and i think the villain is interesting but i wish there had been more of the villain itself than like the weird kind of mental manipulation or whatever it was going on right and the little game of thrones dude's okay it's just it's 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 admittedly hard to watch without thinking of him as uh, joffrey but that's like that's on me right that's on me and i find it's too dark i find it similar to Zack snyder's in the sense that way too much of it is is a dark setting whereas in uh the dark knight uh, rises even though i don't prefer it i do think the football scene i think that's really cool mm-hmm. that stuff goes on during the day too you know mm-hmm. so yeah that's I forgot. I, there was a reason it's not last, but it's it's definitely not like a favorite, even though I do like Christopher Nolan. I totally forgot that. <laughs> Joffrey. Oh, Joffrey's in it? Yeah, he's in it a decent amount too. He's the kid Batman runs into. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, Liam Neeson, I find like just his presence is a little dated. Mm, um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is Batman Forever. Um, I, I agree with what you said um there is still kind of like the leftover kind of dark stuff that burton i mean obviously the film was in development when burton was still 
potentially a director so there is and he was a producer i'm not sure how much of that was like kind of a producer and name only kind of thing but um so so there is a little dark stuff going on and one of the things i will say is that paul thomas anderson recently came out and talked about like the lack of sex in superhero movies and in batman forever you get a character nicole kidman's uh psychiatrist character ludicrously named chase meridian um <laughs> she her her entire like modus operandi is to sleep with batman so you can't say there's no sex in superhero movies when you have a character in a, in, in a batman movie whose stated arc is sex with the superhero so it's i think that i think looking back that kind of saves the movie that you that's probably something you wouldn't get in a batman movie now i mean or really any superhero movie but i think Batman Forever proves PTA wrong. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> that brings us to, oh, we're almost halfway through the list, number six. All right. So uh, this one is, and we're at the point where these ones I all like, whereas mm-hmm. the ones prior, it was eh. um, Batman Returns. I really like Batman Returns. Um, I know it has a lot of flaws, and uh, I'm not like an avid Tim Burton guy, mm-hmm. um, but I. Like I love Danny DeVito. I, I die for Danny DeVito. Um, him and Rick Perlman. I just, I love them so much. And he really is, I can't picture anyone being the penguin other than him. Like, yep. and I'm not just talking about looks, it's his characteristics, the way he expresses the messed up words. And it's just, God, he's phenomenal as it. So it's, it's a little biased, you know, I love him in taxi, everything, but uh <laughs> He's he's so good in this. He's so good in this. I wish I I, I would be. I think it would be really cool as a an edit of this. That's just him. There might be one on YouTube. I'd watch that. It'd be so. It'd be great. <laughs> the penguin edit. I love exactly. it. Exactly. But eight two hours. It was an okay length too. It, it didn't go over. I found. Um. Mm. Yeah, and Christopher Walken, better than Liam Neeson. You know, <laughs> all good. And I am, uh, I, I, I know I bash Bill Kilmer. I really like Michael Keaton. I think he's a great, uh, great Batman mm-hmm. and just a- actor all around. Mm-hmm. And he's, mm-hmm. and he's coming back as Batman in both uh, the upcoming Flash and Batgirl movies. Uh, and, and probably Morbius. Well, he's in Morbius, but he's not Batman. And oh, okay. Michael okay. Keaton is separate. Anyway, Uh my number six is appropriately Batman 1966, which uh, that's not called Batman 1966. <laughs> that's when it came out. But uh, it's the Adam West, Burt Ward as Batman and Robin uh, spun off from the Batman TV series. Uh, features the team up of Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman and the Riddler um, as they, you know, turn the united nations into dust question mark which is um i mean it, it's if you love the tv show it's got everything in that the tv show has the bad copter the bad shark repellent the climbing up the wall and one of the things i find fascinating and i had to be reminded of this is that it basically ends with batman and robin saving the day um rehydrating the members of the united nations but not perfectly so that there's been like some sort of like transference um where maybe the members of the united nations aren't in like they're not right in their minds or not right in their bodies and batman and robin are just like well we did the best we could and leave and that's the end of the movie um so i you know mad respect for that try your best don't necessarily get it 100 percent right <laughs> but on to the next adventure so exactly <laughs> lesson learned acceptance um, is key 
Acceptance is key. To which, progression. Which brings us to number five. All right, number five for me, it's your least favorite, Batman and Robin. Okay, fair enough. It's, uh, it's, it's, I've said this for way too many of them. There's some bias <laughs> in here. I saw, this was like one of the, uh, 1997, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the first films I saw in theaters. And mm-hmm. it's, I was like, how old would I have been? Uh, it, it's really one of my earliest memories. I was like just four, if that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I just remember looking at old uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and being like, is there anybody cooler? I don't think so. Um, Ooh, cooler, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, I didn't even, <laughs> that was not on purpose. But yeah, uh, I didn't think there was anyone more balling than him. How's that? No pun there. Just, he was phenomenal. I, I found, as a kid, I, I, mm. I haven't rewatched it since I was a kid either. So I mm. kind of don't want to. It's one of those situations where I loved it so much as a young and I, I don't want to ruin that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think I think Arnold Schwarzenegger all around is I wouldn't say a good actor but I think Kindergarten Cop is fun um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like a huge action guy but he's one of the rarities where I actually enjoy just his presence all around he's, yeah. I think he's just because he's interesting himself and he knows how to how to interpolate his own real life characteristics to the character they build mm-hmm. it around him and mm-hmm. I think they did for this too um, I also it's it's I because I know this was part of a complaint for my one prior where Joel Schumacher there's too much of him mm. but that's because there's still a hint of him attempting to do just a regular whereas this is like full blast just Schumacher and I'm right. okay with that I'm okay with that when he fully took took over control <laughs> what um, I... and uh, Uma Thurman she's great right uh she is I I think she is I know is what is she Poison Ivy uh, yes I, I, the she is not great but she is chewing all enjoying. she is chewing all the scenery so it's it's, yeah. it's fine <laughs> um, uh for my number five I put Batman Begins um you know it's kind of hard to ignore because the, you know Batman Begins had such a big influence like from mm-hmm. Casino Royale to Iron Man uh a lot of movies took their cue from what Christopher Nolan did on Batman Begins and um, this was a big deal because Christopher Nolan had three movies under his belt two Hollywood movies one was Memento and the other one was Insomnia which is this kind of this like psychological thriller that starred Pacino and Robin Williams and so there was nothing in those first couple of movies that said this guy was gonna is gonna be the biggest action movie director for the next 20 years Um, but that you know, that's how it turned out. And it all kind of gets the ball rolling with Batman Begins, which I still think holds up. Although uh, I do recognize some of the, some of the, your, your criticisms. Yeah. Uh, uh, it has been a while since I watched it as well. I might, uh, I think a, a good re- reanalysis of it would, uh, mm. would be appropriate. Yep. Um, so that brings us to number four. Okay. So this one I hadn't heard of until you mentioned it mm-hmm. and I was very hard to find. I found it <laughs> pseudo legally um <laughs> batman mask of the phantasm was phenomenal i uh, mm-hmm. i i wasn't expecting much from it um and i didn't check the reviews which are phenomenal until after and mm-hmm. uh i was pleasantly surprised i am um, kevin conroy it didn't really mean so much to me but i thought his voice was pretty perfect um what did stand out to me the most is mark hamill as the joker mm-hmm. um as you know and let's just probably know i'm not a huge luke skywalker guy but i actually think <laughs> I think Mark Hamill is outstanding at uh, voice acting. He's one of the main for Robot Chicken. Mm-hmm. He makes me laugh every time he says something. And with the Joker, it's a perfect mixture of that and, you know, fear. You know, he's scary in it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I, uh, I also, I, I, I checked through the, uh, you know, the, 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 the casting after and Dana Delaney is one of the main characters and I, I enjoy her and, uh, you know, desperate housewives and such. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised with some of the, uh, people mm-hmm. in it. There was more people than I thought, cause I'd never heard of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate her character in desperate housewives, but you're supposed <laughs> to. So, so it's all good. Um, yeah. And I thought it was a pretty, uh, it was a good plot too. There was, um, it had been a while since I saw one that delved into his upbringing. They yeah. did it pretty quickly in the Batman one. So this was nice to see. Yeah, in Batman... a very, very traditional way. Like he was eight back alley, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's good to see. Every once in a while, it's good to see something that is pretty spot on to the comics. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's great because it's basically an extended episode of the animated series, but it, it's also um, a really good Batman movie in its own right because you get a really great villain in the Phantasm. You get a pretty decent love interest for Bruce Wayne, and there's kind of you know a, a tragic twist in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Mark Hamill as the Joker, really great use of that character. Um, hard to, I mean, it, it it did come out in theater, so it counts. That's why it's on the list. Anyway, yeah, it's the only animated one, I believe. Correct? Uh, to to yes. come out in theaters. To come out in theaters. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would have done well. I just I'm reading Wikipedia now. It was like last last minute last minute release, which is kind of weird. Yeah, they kind of rushed it into theaters like they were going to do direct to video and then they were like, well, this is so good. It can be in theaters. And yeah, uh, they did it anyway. Uh, my number four is Batman Returns, which kind of breaks my other rule from earlier where I said it, the Dark Knight Rises is too much a Christopher Nolan movie. Batman mm-hmm. Returns is way too much of a Tim Burton movie. But I like that because you could never do that with a superhero movie. Now, you couldn't have a director come in and say, like, I am going to make this completely my own. Batman Returns is a Tim Burton movie. It is almost it would be peak Tim Burton if Johnny Depp was in it, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> since Johnny Depp is not in it, it cannot be peak. But it is uh, it is so stylish, it is so fun, it is so crazy. Yeah, Devito is good as Penguin, um, but Michelle Pfeiffer is super good as Catwoman, and uh, yeah, Michael Keaton is. I, I love the way he plays Bruce Wayne. Is this kind of like aloof, but like maybe borderline crazy <laughs> um he he's he's really really good as um as batman unfortunately we are running out of time so i, I just want to do our top three really really quickly so can you do your your top three from three to one yeah absolutely uh number three is batman 1966 mm-hmm. um i think you know other than being the greatest mayor of you know Cole Hawk, I think Adam West is an outstanding actor. I it's it's I'm a comedy guy, right? So I mm-hmm. like this one. It's it's silly, but it's silly, and enough depth of him and Robin that you do you care to. There's yep. care. Yep. There's care. It's fun, but there's there's some care you give. So that one, and then after that, also Batman, 1989. Like I said, I think Michael Keaton is a uh, outstanding uh, Batman, and Jack Nicholson's like. You know, he's Jack Nicholson is the Joker. It's it's mm-hmm. outstanding. It's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then number one is I know it's weird because the uh, first two were so far back. Uh, the Dark Knight. I, mm-hmm. I Jack Nicholson's great as the Joker. Honestly, I kind of feel bad saying this, but Heath Ledger even better. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that's he's been memed so much 
I still love it every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, his description of how we got the cut of his mouth and how that's different every time. Mm-hmm. And I also think that in this dark night, it's the best costume design of him. A lot more mm-hmm. minimal, minimal than the others, and more of a focus on, you know, the distortion of his face. He's not just wearing makeup, you know. Mm-hmm. That and a perfect mixture with. Uh, I, what I thought was really cool in this one is it showed these just kind of regular gains of Gotham, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, he, the, the Joker kind of tries to work with and overtakes. I thought that was really cool and not as much as Dark Knight Rises, but there's a lot of good during the day events, right? With him yeah. and Maggie Gyllenhaal and mm-hmm. Gary Oldman. It, it's, yeah. So number one for me, The Dark Knight, um, predominantly because of, or uh, yeah, predominantly because of Heath Ledger, but overall really great. My top three are Mask of the Phantasm, The Dark Knight, and uh, I I can I always put well maybe not always but I I for me personally number one is Batman eighty nine, yeah. um, I because I remember seeing that in theaters I was about ten, <laughs> uh, I like the bat symbol was everywhere that summer, um, you weren't anybody until you had a Batman T shirt, um, it was. Uh, it, it was a phenomenon. And uh, I mean, for, for, for people of a certain age, you know, maybe remember standing in line for star Wars when it came out in theaters for the next generation up, uh, which was my generation. It was waiting in line to at the theater to see Batman. And I remember seeing that on the big, the biggest screen at the Georgetown uh, three plex, um, not opening night, but like the, the, the Tuesday after opening night. So it was a, it was a, big crowd it was uh, awesome and i even love the print soundtrack i realize it's <laughs> it's a little much um it's it's almost too much um warner brothers <laughs> synergy but um i do love the print soundtrack anyway oh, we will have I, t- I totally forgot it was a prince one yeah yeah that is pretty that's pretty amazing <laughs> we will have to leave it there uh and come right back after a quick uh musical interlude to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre without the the. You are listening <laughs> to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Unless I can interest you in the shirt or two. Okay, there you go. Whatever happened to her? Is she still alive? She became a ranger here in Texas. She must have looked for that maniac for more than 30, 40 years. So she, she found him? He was wearing a mask. Not easy to locate someone if you don't know what they look like. 
sis, there you are. Let's come on, we gotta get the bus. Where y'all headed? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, uh, Harlow? Oh, I heard about you. You did. Everybody has. Y'all have a nice day now. Thank you. And that was a clip from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is the new film from David David Blue Garcia. <laughs> uh, and it stars Sarah Yarkin, Elise Fisher, Mark Burnham, Mo Dunford, Olwyn Fior, Jacob Lattimore, and Alice Cridge. And uh, Number one movie on Netflix, they say, because uh, Netflix does not release um, hard numbers. Um, so it chose uh, the top 10. Is it in that top 10 or? It's, yeah, I mean, it does. It's in the top 10. I recognize it's in the top 10, but we don't have independent verification because Netflix doesn't release any metrics. So uh, when you said when when somebody says usually when somebody says this was the most watched thing on Netflix uh, in its first weekend. Uh, we have to take Netflix's word for that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I'm very fascinated, Peter, to learn why mm-hmm. you, who has previously stated on this show to not be a fan of scary movies, why you opened Netflix and thought, huh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> well, I didn't, I, uh, I'm really busy with uh, school, so I didn't want to go into a theater. Um, a Another dominant reason is my friends all saw it and they really love it and care about horror films mm-hmm. and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There, there's a number of horror films from the seventies. I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I wanted mm. to see a, a modern, a modern look at it. I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love the Halloween, um, the shining, and mm-hmm. the original Hills Have Eyes. But mm. uh, it's, yeah, it's more modern ones that I'm really just not, they're not my go-to. Um, if, uh, yeah, ones that are in ghosts and everything do kind of <laughs> frighten me a little bit. Whereas Gore, <laughs> Gore doesn't, so. <laughs> that is fascinating that you are more bothered by ghosts, which have never chainsawed anybody, to my knowledge. <laughs> um, There's just too many, like, questions. All right, so. Ghosts, so, scary presence. So given your affinity for uh, for 1970s horror, uh, what did you think? I thought it's okay. I personally <laughs> enjoyed a lot of this film. Mm-hmm. I do not think overall it should be referred to as a good film. It, I think the reviews for it may <laughs> make the negative are appropriate. Um, but I think if you enjoy horror films, in particular slashers, you should definitely check it out. There is a good amount of killings. Mm-hmm. Um, and a standout for me in it, part of the reason I feel bad saying it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not a phenomenal film. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character, Elsie Fisher, I actually watched all of Castle Rock and she is outstanding in it. Just mm-hmm. as outstanding in this. She's a really great uh, actress. Um, mm-hmm. She's good at showing someone who deals... Yeah, an outcast, an outcast. There's someone who deals with, you know, mental issues and everything. Um, mm. And uh, she portrays like she survived a school shooting or something, mm-hmm. some sort of bullet. Uh, someone said school, but anyways, she yeah represented that kind of person, a, a modern American who's a little liberal, but what they have to deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed her. She was strong too. She was cool. I liked her her shirt. It was punk. Punk's cool. <laughs> Uh, and I thought the acting all around was surprisingly okay. Like it wasn't any like phenomenal acting, but it wasn't. There was nothing cringe. I found. I mm, thought the, there was one you, cringe moment I can think of. Yeah, can you? Okay. <laughs> uh, I also I thought 
all the characters, even though, like I said, some of them were good actors. They were very not, I didn't like any of them really, other than Leela, even the ones you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, uh, tech, the Texas Ranch, uh, he was pretty cool. But uh, Catherine, I think she's the blonde, blonde individual. She was mm-hmm. pretty, she was pretty lame. Um, and the Dante Spivy, the, um, uh, their friend, the, the, the black actor, mm-hmm. he was pretty annoying too. I did not agree with a lot of what he was doing. My main issue with him though, mm-hmm. the way other characters treated him and it was kind of weird. It made me realize like this director could be kind of conservative. Like mm-hmm. the film, the one part was kind of pro Confederate flag. <laughs> Like the guy who's like presented as nice, taking it down, then just kind of drops it right in front of him and is like, here you go. And it's, it's kind of weird. It felt kind of racist. And like, I thought, are they going to show that that's bad? And they just didn't. And they kind of, the film made it seem like we're supposed to not be on his side. And uh, he was, I would say the most unlovable. And I think my, my issue with that isn't the actor. It's, it's the writing mm. of the film. They, I think they found that since they didn't kill him first, they could do whatever they wanted and make him not lovable. You know, mm. that's the only kind of stereotype or, or flaw, the usage of a, a black actor in a horror film they could think of. Yeah, they didn't kill him first. So yeah. it's a pass. Yeah. And Elsie uh, Fisher's character, Lila, her, uh, her, her sister, yeah, her sister, Melody, was really annoying too. That was what was so unusual about this is like it's it seemed like the script was actively making these people unlikable. Yeah. Um, like, that, I'm I mean, a liberal guy and I was like <laughs> I was I was hating on them like, hardcore. I yeah, I know that's just it, right? It's just like um uh, this whole thing about although I, I think there is a bit of self-awareness when the 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 guy they meet at the gas station turns out to be the contractor they've hired to fix up this town they've bought this ghost town they've bought um when he says like well so what are you guys like some kind of cult and then the the one woman says well no we're just like a bunch of like idealistic people who are just trying to make a difference in the world and he's like oh so you're a cult i see i like that that was genuinely funny. <laughs> it was a little that fun was like, yeah that was like a horror a good horror film type of thing. <laughs> yeah but you're right about and that i don't fully disagree with it either. it was kind of weird what they were doing yeah it was it's like somebody's conception of what like a social justice social media influencer is kind of like, Yeah, you know, it was, but, but it was not satirical. It was like, we've, we've spent a lot of time on Instagram and we think this is exactly what these people are like. And maybe that there's to a certain extent, there's a bit of truth to that. I mean, there's a kernel of truth to it, but yeah, it's, um, it was also kind of weird just seeing all these people like walking around and doing things as all the slashing is going on. Like I get that was kind of part of the joke or, or just they found that like when it comes to cinematography interesting, but it was just kind of, it was kind of weird. But I mean, the, and they the, the, all just get yeah like killed together and there could have been a lot more of a, it could have been a lot more usage of, of their killing. I You see though, I think there's like, I think there is almost the that bus scene you're talking about, the bus massacre scene. I should say, I, I think that is that is probably maybe the best scene in the movie, just by like the horror gore, like 
pace well, of it. It, does, it does interplay well with the uh, the lighting that they have going on. What I, I would have preferred it if they didn't even realize he was there mm-hmm. until he was like halfway through killing. <laughs> you know, he walks in and they all see it and like take a video of him. I would have preferred it. It's like they were so out of it. They're so in their social media that he just came in. <laughs> And they just didn't even notice until he was like halfway through. But you I know, think there, there was a lot of killing that I think could have been a bit more interesting. I, I think though the point, and again, I don't want to ascribe that somebody was like terribly thoughtful with this thing, but that, that scene is kind of where if there is any thoughtfulness to the script, it kind of works. This idea that, you know, here, these people are coming to this town. We're going to buy this town and turn it into our liberal enclave. <laughs> and onto the bus comes one guy with a chainsaw and he, cuts through them like a hot knife through butter in like three and a half minutes and all they have is their little phones and you know and that's where the cringe the the really cringy line where the guy points his phone at at leatherface he says you do anything you're canceled bro it's oh yeah yeah (laughs) like no no i don't no no thank you that's like the like neil patrick harris's line in matrix resurrections about sheeple it's like no i don't need this i don't need this i don't need you to time stamp this movie um (laughs) it's already pretty time stamped but uh i i have a feeling that was kind of the gist that you know it was kind of building to that scene um where it's like here's your social media influencers yeah so that i mean if if we're gonna nail a scene that was probably the scene to nail uh i have grave misgivings about almost the rest of the film in terms of like any like the the character elise fisher um or elsie fisher i should say um who was in eighth grade bo burnham's eighth grade which is a great movie um i get that there was supposed to be something there that she was like a school shooting survivor and she yeah asked, i didn't even I, I wasn't even aware of that until like right now as i'm reaching the wikipedia <laughs> i just kept looking there was like a bullet wound and some like kind of hints at it I, I don't i don't remember them well i mean directly talking about that's part of the problem shooting. is that like it's i would have cared more for her i just thought it was like like what does it like have a to bank do robbery or something that's like bad she got shot but not as emotionally kind of but what does it have to do damaging? with chainsaws like it's you know I can see if yeah, I can see if it doesn't. It has nothing to do with it. I can see if it was a Rambo movie, but it's not. It's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. They want an easy way to give her more depth without having to worry about the lines she says and everything. Yeah, it it just. (laughs) I think somebody thought like, "Ooh, here's a good way to add depth to the movie," but it wasn't entirely well thought out. Um, Yeah. Also, something funny. It actually makes me respect his character more. mm -hmm. (laughs) The mechanic, right? Mm -hmm. Actor's Irish. Is he? Yeah, he's Irish. He's not. He's not. Uh, so that actually makes me enjoy his uh, representation of the uh, Southerners even uh, even better. Mm. No, no, no offense to well, some. I like I like Neil Young. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, what were your thoughts, Adam, on the the deaths, like the killings? Do you think they were good? Do you think? Uh, yeah, me- I, mediocre. No, I I think the gore quotient. I mean, what's interesting is. If you go back and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there actually isn't a lot of gore, like in the 74 one. A lot of it a lot of it for so long. Hills of Eyes, there's not really much killings until later either. It's it's almost entirely angles and um like the visual effects, and like so much of it is at night when it's like pitch black. Um, because they, they didn't have 
you know, the budget for yeah, like really good studio lights. But there uh, is an it though that I missed. Um, le- not as much dancing. Leatherface wasn't dancing as much in this. There's just the last kind of shot where the cars, well, I, I, you know, whose car though is driving away. <laughs> He, uh, we, we see the classic him holding it up and doing his little twirl, right? But that shot yeah. itself is only like three seconds, whereas Which in I, the original film, it's like, it, it's so amazing. Like, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I don't know what they're thinking because overall, the cinematography in this one wasn't awful. I thought the crop fields, the shots out mm-hmm. there were, were, were beautiful. It was wonderful, you know, scary, but it shows it's just a regular, regular town that everybody lives in, you know? It's well shot for sure, mm-hmm. but. The thing is, like, not the shots for the killings, though. The the 74, right? The 74 movie is, it's, it was basically like shot like a snuff film. Um, and some people almost thought it was a snuff film at the time. It's just, it was incredibly lo fi. It was, you know, they grabbed a camera and a microphone, they got a bunch of like no name actors, (laughs) um, went out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and just shot the darn thing. And there was, Finally, somebody finally was able to ask Renee or somebody got up the guts to ask Renee Zellweger about um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, which was her big break. Yeah, that um, one I saw in theaters. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> but she said, you know, the whole thing felt like incredibly unsafe because, you know, she was running through, you know, the backwoods of Texas with a guy chasing her with a running chainsaw Mm -hmm. and and so there was like a real visceral even in that movie um you can sort of feel the danger because you know is it great idea to run around with a chainsaw at night (laughs) a running chainsaw at night (laughs) or chasing somebody with a running chainsaw at night and it's just there there was kind of none of that danger um it also didn't show as it does in some other films mm -hmm. we didn't get enough of his area of the house like we didn't kind of see Mm. you know if he had kind of like an all like a butcher area or any sort of well that's what yeah, I, I would i would have wanted to because like part of the character is he's so refined into the house right i would have enjoyed a, a mm. bit of a better better look at it the upstairs and there's a scene where he has to like dig out the chainsaw from behind a wall that was because stupid that doesn't make that any was, sense it, Chainsaws, yes. like why they're used for just common things like uh, like everybody in that town probably had a chainsaw in their garage or, or farm, right? I didn't. Why was he hiding it? What was it's, going on? It's so bizarre because, like, yeah. I don't know where this fits in with the, the chronology. Because, like, when was he at the orphanage, and why did he go back to the orphanage after the events of '74? It just like yeah. none of it's terribly well laid out. And then on top of it all, you have the subplot with the the Sally Hardesty character. Um, she could have the main they could have they could have had her more as a the center for it well this is what i like i find it like it's an interesting idea to have this note that sally hardesty would go on to become a texas ranger um Mm -hmm. like that's an interesting plot point but they do nothing with it she she arrives in town after much of the massacre has been done and uh you know, there are the, the two survivors left, and she's like, I've been waiting for this night for 50 years. And it's like, No, you haven't. It's it's like, and then she she encounters Leatherface and she's like, Do you remember me? And of course he doesn't, because Leatherface wasn't checking IDs when he took those people into his house and butchered them. So of course no. he's not gonna remember names. It's just he also just doesn't like think much. He's got like <laughs> genuine mental like issues, he just doesn't. 
it's you yeah know? i mean that's that's a great point too is that the, 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 there's a, a a plot in the in the dinner scene in the original one where they're abusing him the other members of the family are kind of abusing him he's kind of the yeah, redheaded a, stepchild yeah because it's good it really helps if you care a pinch about them you know i think in hills have eyes they display the they're all twisted but the family together you know it's mm-hmm. it's yeah there's there's i i wanted to I, this was the kind of horror film where like i kind of wanted the main character i wanted her to win right i didn't i wasn't loving leatherface as you're kind of guiltily supposed to when watching this you know right there was there was like a very sort of like he was he was just going about his day some people showed up on his farm they're breaking into his house so he puts them on a meat hook okay that's perhaps a bit extreme but it's kind of relatable um but i mean like kind of the most unforgivable thing about this is that they've turned this into a legacy sequel um they bring back quote-unquote classic characters they bring back sally hardesty marilyn burns is long dead (laughs) gunner hansen is long dead so why are we bringing back these characters if they're just supposed to be like i mean this is like we're going to make Halloween, but we're going to have Laurie Strode, except she's going to be played by Laura Dern. They honestly, what? like, they probably <laughs> knew it was going to not be a very critically acclaimed one. So they wanted to have as much reason for horror fans to want to watch it, such as an I, original cast being in it. You well, know? it's not that, the original that, cast, that though. Failed. It's the original characters, but it's not the original cast. I, I just, it, it feels it's like. Not? No, no. Marilyn Burns sh- played sh- Sally in the original film. She died in 2014. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> if I said any compliments then towards the Texas Ranger character, that is just <laughs> well. They, and they kept they kept showing her like with like a camera. Like they made it seem like it was a big reveal of who she is because I thought it was like a return of the. Well, actress. it's supposed to be a reveal, but it's not Marilyn Burns who played uh-huh. Sally in the original movie. She died in 2014, and I think Gunnar Hansen died in 2017, who played the original Leatherface. Um, so well, then yeah, that's a really awful decision. That's kind of offensive to the uh, the person who passed away. It kind of should have just honored her uh, her role as it was. But so um, I, I mean, I don't what really are you do. I mean, so I don't really understand it. You know, they could have done the the Michael Bay Platinum Dunes thing where they just mm-hmm. remade remade it and set it in the 70s. Um, and also, they are, he's Irish too. Is that Irish director? Who? Is this an Irish film? The the director of this movie? No, um, the the uh, Owen Furry who played Sally. Oh. That's weird. Uh, maybe there's maybe there's a kickback from a tax incentive from the Irish government or something. Yeah, but no, the like, and they've already tried this once too. Like this is like this is the ninth Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, just to like freak everyone out. Because even I was like, how many of them have been out? This is the ninth. Uh, but they've tried this before, trying to do it like. Okay, we're erasing the other sequels. We're just going to do like a plain old follow up. Um, and it was the Texas Chainsaw 3D. And it was about they like a mob burned down the, the farmhouse from the first one. And somebody found like a, a baby girl in the rubble uh, who was like adopted. And then uh, she's later, uh, you know, it, it's later revealed that the, the grown up daughter. Uh, I think Alexandria Daddario plays her is like um, the like a like a cousin to Leatherface, and so she goes back to this Texas town, and and you know thing things happen. So I mean we've done this before. So if the, 
my thing is like why does this movie exist who is the audience for this movie is it for fans well it can't be for fans because you're you know you're <laughs> it's you can't bring back the original actors like and pull a halloween you're pulling a fake halloween um is this for like trying to reboot the franchise for like a new generation new audience well why are you doing all this like legacy sequel stuff it's yeah just- references to the past like inter- like uh, bringing in a lot of scenes with an intent for nostalgia it's, mm-hmm. it's why why is that necessary mm-hmm. so i mean you know what is like what is all this for like i, I like the post credit scene where he wanders back to the farm which has probably been like I don't understand how that farm's still standing. I, I, <laughs> I don't fully understand either why uh, they left. Why they left the farm? Oh, I think it gets burned. Didn't it? It gets burned in the one too, doesn't it? it gets, Anyways, it gets burned in like one of. Anyway, it's it's a weird mixture of it's trying to you know bring in elements of the past ones, but then also not caring about certain timelines. You know, it's certain, it's certain. so bizarre. And I mean, it's not like there isn't talent here. Like 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 the bus scene is good. There's a scene where. Melody's trying to escape from the house where she's trying to avoid making noise going down the rickety stairs. Mm-hmm. And then she she looks up and she sees Leatherface standing there and he throws a hammer at her and it which knocks her down the stairs through the floorboards. And like that was really well staged and edited. Melody, uh, the, the physical her the way she got after like super uh, heavy amount of fear. Mm-hmm. I, I started caring a bit more for her and she was impressive how much she was able to escape yeah. and how did she, she sincerely did love her sister and all that jazz, but uh, there's some good stuff in here. I like the, you know, it, it shot well, they had some interesting ideas that they could not parlay um, into anything resembling insight. But having said that, uh, I mean, I, I just wish that this was a bit sharper, so to speak. <laughs> and that's like that's saying a lot because it's 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 also like it's not even an hour and a half, right? Yeah, and we're already like there's all the flaws we're listing are not even within it's, a span of ninety minutes. <laughs> it's a tight, tight ninety minutes, and I appreciate that. But I wish they were ninety minutes better spent. Is all. Yeah. Hey, I honestly I enjoyed the uh, the animated Batman viewing a lot more than. Uh, <laughs> than this one well if someone could but like like i said i yeah. if you like horror films especially if you like the texas chainsaw you, you should watch this because mm-hmm. it was kind of enjoyable in a way that the elements that i disliked were because of knowledge i had about prior texas chainsaw massacres that felt kind of good for my ego so <laughs> if you have if you have any doubt for uh you know your interest mm-hmm. in horror films maybe check this one out mm-hmm. or just accept you don't like them and don't watch this <laughs> all righty we'll have to draw it uh draw it there this week uh we hope you liked our show if you want to listen to the scan you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can download it from the podcast host of your choice at the guelph podcast channel every friday at podbean or through apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify and speaking of spotify we post much of the music that you can hear on end credits in a spotify playlist just search for end credits on cfru in your spotify app you can find us on social media we're on facebook at end credits radio show and on twitter at end credits radio and peter where can people find you on the internet uh i on youtube and twitter go as mr Towerack. so check that out 
Mm-hmm. And I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with my co-host there, Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits, and we will see you then. <laughs>